You can be seated. Well, the title of my sermon is actually, with all that being said, is procrastination. It's a, it's, you know, and you think, well, what is that? God, okay, well, we'll get there. So, so we were talking about a steward. And, and you know, a steward is someone that... <clears throat> sometimes put in charge of a large estate, an administrator or of finances or property, and it, but it's also a principle that's applied to the spiritual gifts that we get when we are born again Amen. and spirit-filled. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, spiritual gifts are for our edification. And they're, all of this, all the gifts that we get are for the perfecting of the body of Christ and for accomplishment of God's purpose in the world for his glory. Okay, so we've been given to each believing according to his own ability. It's according, you, you get gifts according to your own ability. God would well, give you something that uh, like you, I don't know that you, okay. I might say that you might be afraid of to even do, but that's part of procrastination sometimes. So you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. First of all, I want to explain to you. And I had a sheet at one time. I bet it's at home. Boy, this was like several years ago, but there are different kinds of gifts. Like, okay, put up Romans 12, uh, Verse 3, these are motivational gifts, and you all got some, or you got one or more. When you got born again, especially spirit-filled. Okay, Romans 12. Verse 3. Okay, for by the grace given to me, okay, for I say through the grace given unto me, you get the King James, that's okay. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, have a good attitude, According as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. You have a measure of faith that he gave to you, and it might not be the same measure that someone like Nancy Dufresne has. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. For as we have many members in one body. Okay, see, in, in Corinthians, it explains that the body of Christ Jesus is the head. And we're the body parts, the shoulders, the arms the hands, the fingers, the toes, the, you know, whatever. And we all need, we make up his body. All the people in the whole wide world that are born again are part of the body of Christ. That is the church. 
That is called the real church. Okay. So I just want to make that clear. <laughs> okay. For we, are, we have many members in one body, and even in our, our physical body we do. And all members <laughs> don't do the same thing. All the members in the body of Christ don't have the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and we should be united together and not in strife and division and jealousy and envy and all that stuff. And ev we are everyone is member one of another. Yeah. Having gifts according to the grace that is given to us. And see, here, here are the gifts. These are motivational gifts. They're not, okay, prophecy. Some people will prophesy or have a prophetic gift according to their proportion of faith. Or ministry. Let us wait on our ministry. Okay, ministry. You know, helping in the church. Amen. It's all, all, all the, you're a minister. <laughs> Doing what you can in the church. Amen. I know that, uh, Tony must be out there. <laughs> no. Anyway, this, his mother, you know, when she got to be about 90, she, she couldn't do what she used to do. So you know what she says, the towels and the washcloths are, are the things that you need washed. I could take them home and wash them. Yeah. You know, that was something she could do. Yeah. You see, we all need, and that was, that's a big help. Yeah. <laughs> Just anything like that. Yeah. See, but you all should be, you know, you are all ministers ministering. Yeah. That's the ministry of helps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't stand here and preach to you if there was no ministry of helps. <laughs> I mean, the, the, this gets caught, I mean, vacuuming and all these things, greeting at the door and counting the money and, and uh, uh, sound booth, yeah, playing the choir, the, all kinds of stuff, uh, doing like, you know, carpentry in the church or things that need work on, all these things, filing, secretarial work, uh, all kinds of administrative work, all kinds of things. See, okay, that's, that's the whole ministry of helps. Do you know what? It has a place in Corinthians. The ministry of helps actually is as high as office as the fivefold ministry. It is. So, no, not right now. Okay, so we were on verse 8. Okay, or it says if you're a teacher, maybe you teach a Bible study. You see what I mean? Then be good at that teaching. Or he that exhorts or lifts up people. There's people who are exhorters. Yeah. And see, a lot of you could have a lot of these gifts. In fact, I call myself an exhorter, although I'm a pastor. There's different things. Then there is, look at this, there are some people who are givers. Some people actually have the gift of giving. They give more than others. And it, but it's, just, it's their gift, and they're usually capable, or God puts it into their hands. And it says if, if that's it, they'll do it with simplicity. He that rules, or ha maybe there's people who are, have leadership qualities, and there are people under him, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, don't, you know, it's just that that's what God has given. 
And we're supposed to do that with diligence. And he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And some people have the gift of mercy. I do. Yeah. Yeah, they told me that right off the bat. I think I got harder since for all these years past. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry for everything. Anyway, no, it's still there, but, but it's probably on a better basis. <laughs> but see, you have to do it with cheerfulness. Because mine was with tears and feeling sad, <laughs> taking it in too much. <laughs> so you, you learn to be cheerful about that. Okay, then there's the gifts of the Spirit. And those are, are you know, the, the 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts of the Spirit. These motivational gifts, most people don't even know they're in there. And I, so I'm telling you today, they are. But here's, here's the gifts of the Spirit, and I better go there to say it right. <laughs> so it's 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. Now, there's diversities of gifts, it says, but the same Spirit. And there's differences of administrations, the way it's administered. And there are dif differences of operations. Sometimes it's, you know but it's up to God. So let's, let's go to verse 8. To one is given by the Spirit a word of wisdom. That's all of a sudden God will tell you something about something that is to happen in the future and you didn't know it at all and you tell that person and it helps them because they need advice. And then there is the word of knowledge. That's something... The Lord told you about their past, or it even could, it worked last, last week, I got that somebody's shoulder was hurting, it can be that kind of healing thing too, and it was that lady right there, <laughs> and I mean, I was just so positive that, and that's, you know, that, it, that was a word of knowledge. To another, faith, that's extraordinary faith to a point where Somebody's in real trouble. Maybe they had a car accident. They're under a car. That, that spirit of faith gets so strong in you that you could probably lift up the car. <laughs> I'm serious. God does that to save the person. There, there is the working, the gifts of healings. There's all kinds. I mean, these are miracle gifts, though. And the working of miracles, the working of, wait, let's gifts of healings, though. That, that's like somebody may be endowed with um, cancer. cancer, a gift they, whenever they lay hands on somebody, cancer is healed. Yeah, I know you think it's crazy, but it's not. It's not. It's right in there. <laughs> the working of miracles. There have been people. Like the man with the withered hand in the, in the Gospels, things like that have happened. Yeah. This guy got, he just believed so strong that he would get, he didn't, one of his foot was cut off at one time, and, um, and he bought a pair of shoes. <laughs> yeah, he bought, and he took both pairs, <laughs> you know, and that his foot, uh, he had no foot, and it grew out. Folks, there's stuff, stuff like that doesn't get reported. All you hear is the spectacular thing that something was blown up or something. You don't, you know, they don't report stuff like that. It's there. Mm -hmm. 
And um, so, okay, the discerning of spirits. That, I forgot the working, okay. The working of miracles. That's when something that's not there becomes there. Prophecy, you prophesy and it lifts you up. Okay, discerning of spirits, that's actually when an evil spirit is present. And you actually see in the spirit realm and you rebuke it and that person is healed instantly. There have been people that weighed 70 pounds and it was like there was uh, like something wrapped around their lung and no matter what they did medically, she was never healed. And I tell you, she was healed instantly. This was Kenneth Hagin. There's all kinds of reports like that. You just got to go to the right place to hear them. <laughs> okay, then there's diverse kinds of tongues. And that's the kind of tongue that's given in a church, and it needs to be interpreted. But then there's also tongues where you pray, and you, it does not have to be interpreted. Because I went to a church in Omaha, and that still exists at first when I got born again, because I knew that it was Pentecostal. <laughs> and, and that guy wanted to come to a Pentecostal church. <laughs> we welcome you, brother. <laughs> but but uh, they did not, they said that every time tongues was said, it needed to be interpreted. But that I can prove it to you with scripture. And this, these are, these, these are things, because God helps us. These gifts supernaturally, I could tell you of an encounter when I taught school. I mean, I taught school, and a miracle happened. Well, boy, jumped off, I, I knew his leg was broken. He went swaying real high and jumped off because his other brothers, older brothers were doing it. He was littler and younger. And he landed and screamed and screamed and screamed. And uh, uh, his leg was twisted back. And I went, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and they, they were about the neighborhood. This was right on that where that nursery is on Hancock. There's a preschool. We were teaching a homeschool. I taught a homeschool school from kindergarten to 12th grade. And some of those kids became doctors. And nurses, there's one right there, <laughs> Mindy. She went to that homeschool and became a nurse with her Bachelor of Science degree, right? I got one too. <laughs> no. But see, you see, you don't tell me about, you know, anyway, her and Sherry also was helping me with those. But, uh, and, and I, you know what? I just went, oh my gosh, God. Uh, you know, and the neighbors were going to come and, and called the ambulance. They were coming. The neighbor could hear him. <laughs> there was houses around there. And, um, and you know, I don't know what. <laughs> all of a sudden, something came over me. And these were people who do not believe in this stuff. A lot of the kids, most of the kids there, their parents weren't, didn't understand this. And um, they weren't there at the time. And I had just come back from lunch. And uh, uh, I just went, God, I started actually praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. And, and I went, and I went, I kept getting silver. I said, silver, all of a sudden I got real bold. And I said, silver and gold have I none, 
But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. But before I said that, I gently went down there because God told me to. And I took his leg and I straightened it out. <laughs> and I start laying hands on him and praying over him <laughs> in tongues, which he never heard of. <laughs> and you know what? And that, that's when I said, silver and gold have I none. And I took him by the hands and he stood up and he said, it's gone, the pain's gone. And his leg was straight. And I, I go, oh, what happened to me? Well, I think the gift of faith, and later, I, I'm, I'm kidding you, 20 years later, when I'm studying this, I went, oh, I think I operated in the gift of faith and the, and the uh, well, I, that was not quite the working of miracles, but um, the, uh, which, the gift of faith and the, what is it, uh, and, and gifts of healing, healing, healing and faith. Because my faith was so strong. It was like, and I got real bold. And I used to kind of check myself because I didn't want their parents to, <laughs> you know, I was trying to honor their parents and where they were at, you know, as to the difference in what we believed in. You know what I mean? I honored them. But, but that boldness came up so strong. But that's the only time I've ever, you know. But see, that, it helped. And I know it did. Okay, so, and then, yeah, well, the veil. Then there was a, one time, another time, there was a police report. Okay, <laughs> and, and they actually called, they knew we had that homeschool, and they, they called us and said there's a van from New York, <laughs> New York Plates, and they're running around, they're going around town, and they're watching kids on the playground, and we suspect them to be, you know, somebody who would <laughs> capture them. <laughs> and I came back from lunch. And I even remember I was down, going down to Hormel Credit Union when it was open and, you know, cashing a check or something. And um, I thought, hurry up, this line is long, I got to get back there. And I didn't know anything about it yet, but one of the other teachers watching the kids were telling me, and that van was there. <laughs> it was, I went, it's right there. <laughs> and there was quite a distance between, and all of a sudden, <laughs> little old me, I got really brave. <laughs> and it went, like this, and I started walking towards them. And you know what they did? They were like this. It's okay, ma'am. We're going. It's okay, ma'am. We're going. We're going. We're going. <laughs> they got scared of me. <laughs> but it was the boldness of Christ in me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I, you don't know those stories, do you? <laughs> There's all kinds of little things. Those two are the most significant. Anyway. <laughs> no, they honestly, and that was true because it was a police report even. So anyway, okay, let's go down. <laughs> and then there's the five-fold ministry gifts. You see, those were motivational gifts. Then, then there was the gifts of the Spirit, and then there's the five-fold ministry gifts, and that's, I'm not even going to go there. It's in Ephesians 4, 11, 12, and, and uh, that's the uh, apostle, the prophet, the uh, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And they're called by God. 
Yeah, so many of these gifts, though, are buried and God receives no glory at all. And see, that's the whole thing. 1 Peter 4.10, for the sake of time, I wrote it out. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And I didn't try to get in there because I'm a woman. I mean, I even backed off. Now, there could have been men that were called to do this but didn't be faithful. So, okay. So all of this has to do with pro procrastination. The definition is putting off doing something until later. It's a delay, all right? So the, mo the motto of the procrastinator, and I'm doing this, I even got corrected by my own sermons, so don't, you know, is never do today what you can put off until tomorrow. That's a bad, don't, don't use that motto. <laughs> See, it's, and you know what, and so it's, it's kind of obvious that, that it's played a part in bearing gifts and abilities, talents, Spiritual gifts in the body of Christ. And see, but there's consequences to pay for that. I knew of a pastor, and people can verify it, that he jumped too fast into what he did, and he died in, in his 50s. And I mean, you die at an early age when you're, you, you've got to be careful what you're doing with this whole thing. It's a big responsibility. Okay, then there's the law of cause and effect. And it's, it's operative in those who procrastinate. The price is heavy, and the price paid includes living with chronic anxiety and worry. Because you procrastinated, and you really don't know even why. You're, okay, you feel fatigued and tired all the time. Undone tasks nag at you. And they weight you down, and actually, uh, it, it's clutter, and it's clutter. Your spirit even gets cluttered, and you start to get confused. See, you think, I know I should be doing this, but you know, I'll get it done later. I've done that myself. See, procrastination costs you time, and it costs energy. And you, you, become, you start to get critical of other people and judgmental, actually jealous and envious because you're a condemned because you're not, you're not doing what you are and you don't even realize you're not doing it. It's kind of a psychological thing too. See, and it fosters negativism in you, fosters self-doubt, self-delusion. You start to get inferior and have low self-esteem. And it's a destructive death cycle <laughs> behavior. I, it sounds like psychology, but it is in a way, but it is true too. So pro fear is a form of procrastination. You're fearful. And that Matthew 25, 25 said, and I was afraid. He was afraid of his steward. He was afraid to even invest, you know, that money. Sometimes you're afraid to do things. So, see, fear pay, plays a big part in procrastination. And you procrastinate to 
temporarily relieve your inner fears. And you put it off to the future, but you know what? The future never comes. So, now just remember, when you, when you look into this, faith is from God, fear is from the devil. That's another thing. Second Timothy 1.7 says, God did not give me a, God did not give me a spirit of fear, but he gave me power, love, and a sound, sound mind. So fear is a spirit. Okay. Now there's different fears of procrastination. The fear of failing. That's true. Some people are scared to step out because they'll fail. I'm afraid I'll fail, so I'll do it sometime in the future. I'm not quite ready yet. And it can be that you are not ready and make get your, God wants to, you know, it was 12 years. Somebody told me that I was going to be a pastor someday and I, I didn't push it. I never did one single thing, but I just prayed, studied, you know, just kept going and working in the body of Christ. I worked in every single area, cleaning the toilets, everything. <laughs> so see, all right. So see, and then all of a sudden, 12 years after that, and that person was from Kenneth Copeland's ministry that told me that. So it wasn't exactly somebody who didn't know what they were talking about. It was Terry Pearson's. <laughs> and so, okay, also the fear is imperfection. I want to do this exceptionally well, but I'm afraid it won't be perfect. You know what? It never is going to be. All you do is gotta, you got to rely on God. So I'm going to put it off till the last minute. And then I can justify a rushed, incomplete work. Wow. Wow. Or I can use this excuse that this is the best that could be done in so short a time. You know, I even, when, when I put that down, I was thinking, you know, because I was like 40, and I, I think, thank God he let me live longer and healthy. <laughs> um, because... Well, and I didn't know any of this stuff because I was in the wrong place or wrong kind of teaching. Yeah, I wasn't. So, okay, then there's inferiority. I want to be the best to be better than the rest, but I'm afraid I'm not good enough, so I never do anything. <laughs> and then I can crit, but then that person likes to criticize others who are trying. See, I can tell myself and everyone else, that if I were to do that job, I would do it better. <laughs> but see, you, you make mistakes. You, you're, you, you might fail at something. I saw there was a book called You Fail Forward. <laughs> Millionaires, <laughs> they might lose all their money, and they learned a lesson about something, but they keep, they keep going, and they get it all back and more. <laughs> See, or avoid, they avoid work, difficult work situations. Well, I hope they'll change if I wait long enough. You know, you don't want to get into that kind of work because, uh, you know, they, they hope something will change about the way it's being done. And, or they put off routine daily tasks like <laughs> prayer. <laughs> We've all done that one. I bet you we're all guilty of that. 
Okay, prayer, devotion, study, house cleaning, doing the dishes or whatever, putting away the clothes, studying, you know, organizing your desk, drawers, all that stuff. <laughs> or there's, there's a, there, there also can be a fear of change. And you've been doing something for a long time, there can be a fear of change, a fear, fear of moving, fear of changing jobs, fear of going to school. Ooh, I went to Creighton University and my folks made me. <laughs> and I was so scared the night before going, because ah, I was this dumb girl, you know, in life from a little town of 600 people in Dodge, Nebraska. And so they'd, oh, they'd say, oh, you're from Dodge City? And I'd go, yeah, I wouldn't answer them. <laughs> in Dodge City, Kansas. <laughs> Because I thought it was a bigger city, and I thought people were really... But you know what? I, I went to... I went... I was... Okay. We were the first nursing class in the state of Nebraska to get a Bachelor of Science degree in four years. And the first, first one, and they all kind of criticized this, and so... And there were only 20... There were started out with 25... Ten of us graduated, and I was one of them. <laughs> and, and you know what? And I hate to say that there were five nuns who flunked out. They flunked. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised. But anyway, <laughs> that um, whole thing. All right, so oh, people procrastinate, frequently get sick, or have minor accidents when faced with a difficult or unpleasant tasks. It makes them sick because they, they, the fear gets so strong. See, avoiding, they, now this one I'm guilty of, avoid confrontation with others even when you have a legitimate grievance or a just cause. And some of the things, though, that would hurt our church, I would, I would you know, I, it comes out, I, gotta get, I get bolder, but, or <laughs> hurt people, but, ugh. Blaming outside forces or people for your lack of success or happiness. Uh, like for excuses like your past sins and what you've done. Or you had a lot of abuse from others. Sometimes you need to just forget it and go forward because God needs us. You know what? It's your excuse because your wife acts that way, your husband acts that way, your parents act that way. You know what I mean? But are, are all these circumstances. Okay, the procrastinator usually is not on time. And he does not keep his word. And people who don't keep their word or do not believe or trust God. See, they're faithless because they are not faithful. A faithful person is full of faith. And, they, and after a while, they become critical or harsh or unjust to others because they procrastinate and they're really angry at themselves. And they use negativism or criticism to get out of doing something. Or they... They plan, but they never put the plan into action. Right. 
of the vision that God has given for their life and the years past. And let me tell you, I mean, my age, as you start looking, oh my gosh, how much time have I got left on this? Really, you start looking at it. You go, I gotta hurry up. <laughs> Do you think of it. So, so I had a hip replacement. And you know, they say, well, maybe in 20 years you'd have your hip, uh, need to have it, you know, something done to it again. I went, I'll be 103 years old in <laughs> 20 years. See what I mean? Yeah. And you go, uh. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I just thought of that the other day. <laughs> I said, hallelujah, okay, yeah, okay. So, set, now we're going to talk a little about uh, self-control is a principle that guides Christian conduct. Amen? And it's, it, it's God's answer to procrastination. So we had to give you an answer to here. Okay, Galatians 5 tells us the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When you get born again, these gifts, I always say, they're, they're the fruit of the Spirit, rather. Not the gift, but it's a fruit of the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit moves in and comes to live inside of you. It, he, he does. The second you become born again, and you really mean it, you say it with your mouth and mean it in your heart. See, if you say it with your mouth just to get rid of somebody, and you don't care about God in your heart, a lot of people do that, just, I'll get rid of them, and then I'll, you know, I'll just say the prayer. <laughs> But you, you have to say it with your heart and yeah. mean it with your mouth. Yeah. Mean it in your... <laughs> say it. <laughs> I'm German. <laughs> Germans say things backwards. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> okay, let me all hear you say it with your heart. No. <laughs> you say it with your mouth and mean it in your heart. It has to be both places. And in Romans, it tells you that. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, where was I? Um, okay, Galatians 5, 22. And I, I do want to say the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit... Hmm, is love, actually I know my heart though, love, and if you walk in love, all the rest will be fulfilled. This is fruit. Fruit grows on trees, right? And it says in John, the book of John 15, it says that when we're attached to the branch, the vine, who is Jesus, that our fruit will grow. And see, when, when, some, when we're away from that, that have you ever seen a branch fall off of a tree? Does it, does it kind of bear fruit anymore? No. It withers up and dies when it's laying on the ground, right? You could use it for fire. <laughs> but the fruit of the Spirit is love, and it's joy, and it's peace. And it's long-suffering or patience. You're, you're, you have patience with people. Yeah. It's gentleness. Yeah. And it's goodness. Now, goodness there actually means a spirit of giving. Yeah. 
It's faith, trust in God. It's meekness or humility. You're humble, not haughty or arrogant or prideful. And then temperance. And it says, against such there is no law. Now, okay, so the thing that the procrastinator needs the most is temperance. <laughs> temperance means self-restraint in your conduct, self-restraint in your thoughts, self-restraint in indulgences. Things, you know, your appetites, your fleshly appetites. Drink, you know, uh, food, yeah, sex, pornography, gambling, whatever. Yeah, oh, nowadays, yeah, I was going to bring that up. Social media, cell phones, <laughs> mm, all that stuff. But it, it's control of your emotions and impulses. And it's self-discipline, self and you train yourself. You control yourself. You enforce obedience, and especially to God's word. Yes. Now, I want to tell you something. When This is the beauty of this, though, and you can't tell me. It's different from when you're born again and when you're not born again because these things are injected. I call them injections right into you. And you've got them from the Holy Spirit because the Bible says you do. And so there's no excuse. You know what? But you, fruit grows as you use that fruit. You know, you, you temper yourself and say, I'm not going to fly off the handle like I always used to. And you've got the Holy Spirit will help you to do that. Because he is, that's another thing. He's got a lot of names and one's a helper. He helps you. He stands by you. It, there's all, he's got, oh my gosh. Uh, he's your advocate. He's your comforter. He's your counselor. He's your helper. He's your uh, intercessor. He even prays for you. He's your strengthener and stands by you. Once you're born again, he is there to live. I don't care if you're committing adultery. He's still inside of you. He's in there, and if you think about some of that stuff, you are looking at pornography, you, you go, the Holy Spirit is in me. <laughs> you see, do you see what I mean? But it's in you. Okay, in James, it says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So, we need to walk in the Spirit, it says. This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Amen. That's in Galatians 5.16. So, you have some of this, and another name could be self-control. So, don't, don't understand, though, the true meaning. It's now self-demand, self-restriction. It relates to... Good stewardship, stewardship. Yeah. and it, it's it's a, a synonym of self determination. See, taking good care of what God has given you, developing what God has given you. Yeah. Yeah. You you get it, 
It's making a quality decision. Persevere. <laughs> Tell yourself, knock it off. <laughs> Be aware of what you're doing instead of being aware of what everybody else is doing wrong. <laughs> See, is being a good steward and a successful Christian, and it doesn't, it doesn't come by luck or by accident. It's a decision with God's help to develop one of the fruits of the Spirit. And it's called temperance or self-control. And it's injected inside of you, and the more you use it, the more it grows in you. See, no, no man or woman has achieved anything of value without self-control. And it always involves laying down your life. It does. Laying down your flesh. Laying down lustful desires. Um, just, you know what? And it's hard work on your part. But you know what? It's worth it. You, you like yourself better. Okay, uh, how do people act who have developed like self-control? You hold your ground when you'd rather run away. <laughs> oh boy, there's times we've all wanted to run, right? You know what? You face the change in life and yourself. <laughs> I, I was married before, and my first husband died when I was 26. <laughs> And he was a doctor. <laughs> and he died. Bang. So one day, he died. And I had two, two little girls. They were 10 months old, 10 and a half months old, and, and uh, 20 months old. And uh, I thought, oh my gosh. <laughs> but you know what? You, you just keep moving on. In James 4, 7, it says, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. But that's huge. We've been talking about it a lot in Bible study, what that really means. It isn't just, if it's just after God, resist the devil, and he's going to flee. You know? <laughs> it means instead of saying, you know, oh, devil, I submit to you, which you sometimes are doing without even realizing it, you submit. You turn around. Counting to 10 when you'd rather lash out at somebody. Maybe it's a temper thing, you know? Um, you know what? Maybe I should give this. It's, uh, I know what it is. Ephesians 4, but it's such a good scripture. It's verse, let's see, where do I want to start? Verse 29. Put it up out of the uh, Amplified. Wait, start with verse 26. Okay, when angry, do not sin, do not ever let your wrath, your exasperation, your fury, or indignation last until the sun goes down. In other words, don't, last it, don't let it last even for one minute. Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. Because right then he's got an opportunity. Well, see, that's what I'm... Well, how come God made me do this? It's the devil. <laughs> okay, let's go down to verse 29. Let no foul or polluting language nor evil word nor unwholesome or worthless talk 
ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others. And as is fitting to the need and occasion, that it may be a blessing and give grace to the people you're talking to. Right? And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. In other words, if you don't do that, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. You, you can actually offend him or vex him or sadden him. He lives inside of you if you're born again. This is written to people in the church. By whom you are sealed, marked, and branded as God's own. You're sealed for the day of redemption. Actually, it calls, um, it's like you get the Holy Spirit as a down payment, just like you put a down payment on the house, a down payment of you going to heaven. Then it says, verse 31, let all bitterness and indignation and wrath and passion and rage and bad temper and resentment and anger and animosity and slander, evil speaking, abusive or blasphemous language be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will or baseness of any kind. Oh, why did I get, why, why did this happen to me? A Christian might even say, how come God did this? Because a lot of Christians don't know that. You know what? I bet you 90% of the Christians don't even know that God, they think God causes stuff because they haven't been taught. You've got to read the Bible. But see, you were, you were slandering maybe somebody else. And you had malice and ill will. And you were talking about him. And then all of a sudden, something happens to you because the devil got control and God had to move, get out of there. <laughs> Seriously, to protect you and you might have had a car accident. That's how these things happen. Or you're not tithing it. You see, that protection of God can't stay. Or he would be a liar in his word. See, do you understand that to me? I studied this and, studied, and I, you know, trying to figure out what, what was that difference. And see, I wanted to know because people, there's too many people accusing God of everything. Well, my wife divorced me. Well, then the next wife divorced me in the West Side. And, I, and somebody says, well, I'm mad at God. <laughs> did God do that? No, you did it. Maybe you better check something about yourself. Or maybe she better, you know. <laughs> so, you know, oh, I was reading this. <laughs> Little bitterness, okay, all that stuff. Anger, animosity, quarreling, brawling, clamor, contention, slander, evil speaking, abusive or blasphemous language. Be banished for you, from you with all malice, spite, ill will, or baseness of any kind. And become useful and helpful, and kind to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, be understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another readily and freely as God in Christ forgave you. Next verse, therefore be an imitator of God, copy him and follow his example, as well-beloved children imitate their father. And just the first part of the next verse, and walk in love. Walk in love. <laughs> So, um, so self-control is self-denial 
self-restriction. It's, it's taking good care and developing what God has given you. And it relates to good stewardship, and it's, it's really a synonym of self-determination. Making quality decisions. Persevering in action. Being a good steward is being a successful Christian. And it doesn't happen by luck or accident. And it is more important than anything in your life, actually. That's something I found out over the years. I am telling you. I thought, you know what? Everything depends on that. It's a decision with God's help to develop the fruit of the Spirit called temperance. And no man or woman has achieved anything of value without self-control. See, and it always involves laying down your life and lustful desires. Okay, so we, I know I said that twice, but that's, okay. So what's, what are some of those other things? You know, people smile a lot more. <laughs> and maintain a good attitude. And in Acts 27, 25, Paul, you don't put it up there, but Paul told men to be of good cheer even though the ship was sinking. And now, I, you know, we had people that go to Bible college in California and came back, and that's what I noticed, that when, when the drama stuff came, <laughs> they were taught, no, keep a good attitude. Just keep, don't talk about it. The more you talk about what's happened to you, the worse it goes inside of you. It gets worse and worse and worse. It does. And I saw, man, that worked because I wasn't there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I just noticed, especially when you two come back. <laughs> yeah. See, in Philippians 4.4, 4, it actually says that. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Even though you just heard some bad news? Amen. You know why? Because God can start operating in it then and helping you. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice because you lost your joyce. <laughs> you lost your joy. So, see, um, work, working hard when you'd rather give up. But you keep moving on. You keep keep keeping on. And being diligent. Diligence. Okay, diligence going far over and above. All right. And Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God, gets born again, must believe that God is, not just, oh, I believe there's a God. That isn't what that means. That God is everything in here that he said to you and gives you everything. Amen. That, that God, okay, <laughs> well, yeah, that, okay, without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently, he rewards you. That's the Bible. He tells you, he rewards you, a rewarder of those who far over and above diligently seek him and get to know him. See, 
you hold fast to what the Bible says about healing or about your finances or all the, you know, all those things. In Hebrews 10, 23, it says, let us hold fast. You know what that means? A ship on an anchor in the Greek. And you, you so you anchor yourself in this on the confession of your faith because God is faithful to him whom he promised. God is faithful to you. You don't, you don't waver when you're just plain tired of confessing and calling stuff in and seeing no results. That's when you got to hold fast. Guys, there's... I'm just telling you, I, I need to talk to myself too. Praying when, praying when you don't feel like it. See, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith and not what we see, feel, hear, taste, or touch. You walk by what the word says. And, and, and it works. I mean, because we have to, okay, the world system and God's system is different. Just like when you give, you get back. In God's system, when you give in the world, you deplete yourself. Oh, I have so many scriptures down here. Um, you know, just, it says pray without ceasing, but what that means is you read and you study and you meditate on God's word when, even when you don't feel like it. Uh, you know, it says praying always without, with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching with all perseverance and supplication for the other saints. Yeah. Now, see, I know this is heavy. This is meat. Like, you're, you're, it depends where you're at, where you're, you're going to accept it or not. But, but sometimes meat, you know, they, they'll say the, you know, the milk of the word or the meat of the word. And it's kind of meaty, and it may be tough steak. <laughs> So anyway, but Joshua 1.8 says, see, I'm trying to prove these, these, what I'm saying. This book, this book of the word of God, of the gospel, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you're going to make your way prosperous. And you're going to have good success. God said it. I didn't. I, I, I don't understand. How much more do I have? Oh, I'm almost done. Now, a warning. Rid yourself of bad habits. And don't spend any more time practicing or exercising your bad habits instead of your good habits. You know, some, sometimes we're relentless. <laughs> in our expertise at becoming accomplished losers <laughs> or failures by procrastination. Cigarette packages say they have warning labels <laughs> and so does procrastination. Warning, procrastination is a habit forming and may be dangerous to you spiritually, mentally, physically, and to your health. 
See, redeeming the time. Ephesians 5.16 says, redeem the time because the days are evil and they're short. And boy, can we see that even now, especially. And you capitalize on every opportunity that you have. The, the definition of, of that is you get it back. You buy it back. You recover. You restore. You know, do it now because, and you've heard this in business, time is an, an equal opportunity employer. What does that mean? In fact, you reap what you sow in time. If you make good use of your time, your opportunity for success is going to rise. In your finances, it's going to rise in your family, it's going to rise in your body, it's going to rise in your mind. Because you know what? Every human being has exactly the same number of hours and minutes each day. The rich didn't buy more hours. Scientists can't invent new to you you know things without without minutes and time, right? Okay. So you can waste time though, hours whittling away a precious time. We've all done it, I've done it. And you say, Where did it go? I accomplished nothing today. And it could be watching TV chief waste of time cell phones <laughs> oh man i just gotta get rid of it social media most of mine is those watching sermons <laughs> on youtube or idle chatter uh, they say that the average american spends like 40 hours <laughs> now of tv some of them and even and now it's cell phones, though, too. And see, time can be fair and forgiving. And no matter how much time you wasted in the past, you still have an entire tomorrow. And only way you can redeem the time is to exercise self-control and use it wisely. And, you know, you know today we might all need to repent for procrastination. <laughs> One, another, another thing is stop worrying what people think about you. Oh my gosh, that was huge in me. Huge, huge, huge. Steer comes back a little bit. My mom and dad, where they were German and they're my grandparents, they all came from Germany. And, um, and so, I mean, they would constantly say like, my mom would constantly say, and I mean, she was good mom, but it was, what are people going to think? What are people going to think? What are good people going to think? And so I became like self-conscious. You too? Yeah, yeah, see, it was that same age group. Yeah, what are people going to think? And now though, people don't really give, a <laughs> 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 <Well>, whatever, <laughs> what people think. And I think they need to think a little more what people think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm thinking, wait a minute now here. <laughs> we, <laughs> but see, or we have vain imaginations about, about uh, imagining how everything could go wrong. <gasps> what if I go there and somebody holds me up? Or what if I can't 
you know, what if a plane crashes or what if, you just got to go and do, if it's for the gospel's sake, you got to do it because there's impartations. See, stop fretting or grieving though over your past failures. Forget it. Oh my gosh. I start thinking about that. I did this morning when I was coming. I went, stop it. <laughs> See, use checklists. Take a checklist and establish priorities in some of the things you do that need to be done. And when possible, do the hard things first. However, put God first. He's not hard. <laughs> but if you put him, the rest will get easy. See, you know what? Now, just remember, everybody has occasions, setbacks, and frustrations, too. So, and don't, don't condemn yourself with all this. But you know what? God needs us in the earth. God needs us to move ahead. He needs us to be doing something. We got born again to help other people. See, and the devil comes along and he thinks, Oh, I'm just going to put a lot of sickness on him. I'm just going to put a lot of this on him and that on him and all this stuff. And so all we think about is ourself. Self, 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 self. Got it? I know. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and you, we have to think of what, why we even had this gift of salvation from God. So... Don't forget, if, if you're born again, the greater one lives inside of you. And it says you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. It says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You know what it says? It also says as God is, 1 John 4, 17. The other one was 1 John 4, 4. But 1 John 4, 17, that, that, um, that as God is, so am I. What? As God is, so am I in this world. That's he wants us to imitate him in this world and tell people. And, and he'll be, he's with you. Um, it says, even greater works shall we do than Jesus did. He said, Jesus himself said that because I go to the Father, you're going to do greater works. Philippians 4.13 says, God is at work in me both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I could go on and on and on and on and on. Know who you are in Christ. There's a lot of stuff, especially from Kenyon, that will show you who you are in Christ. And when you know what he did for you on the cross and why he did it, so that, that you, you become like, and it's not you. He gets all the glory. He gets the glory. And see, everybody has abilities, talents, spiritual gifts, and their great, great potential. And for the, they're for the profit of all people, even those outside, because you need to get them into the kingdom so that they have a better life. And be good stewards, you know, for the glory of God. You know, that's why our government went... The church did not take its place. We got to start taking our place. All, instead of taking our places, poor me, poor me, poor me, thinking about me all day long. You know what I mean? Oh, boy. Oops, get my hair. Sorry. Okay. 
Uh, go to Ephesians 5. This is the last two verses. And Galatians too, but uh, Ephesians 5, 15. Through 17. And this, this is a command because it starts with a verb. <laughs> you look. You look carefully how you walk. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately. Not as the unwise and witless. I looked up witless. <laughs> I googled it. And witless means foolish, stupid, brainless, and mindless. Ooh. This is in the Bible. But live as wise, sensible, intelligent people. Make the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil and they're going to be short. <laughs> Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understand and firmly grasp what the will of God is for you. Galatians 6, 7. Amplified. Do not be deceived and deluded and misled. Who does that? The devil does. God will not allow himself to be sneered at, scorned, disdained, or mocked by mere pretensions or professions, or by his precepts being set aside. He inevitably deludes himself who attempts to delude God. For whatever a man sows, that and only that is what he reaps. He who sows to his own flesh, his lower nature, his sensuality will from the fresh flesh reap decay and ruin and destruction. But he who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Um, and do not let us lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing right. For in due time and at the appointed season, you're going to reap if you don't relax your courage and faint. Don't faint. This, this scripture, I think, is even at our YMCA. Yeah, the, except in the King James. Don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season, if you do not faint, you will reap what you've sown. And so, as the occasion and opportunity open to you, do good morally to all people, not only being useful and profitable, but also doing what is for their spiritual good and advantage. Be mindful to be a blessing, especially to those of the household of faith, those who belong to God's family with you, the believers. Yeah. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we, we just repent if any of these things of procrastination has been in our life, Lord, and we know that, that we're asking the Holy Spirit in it with a sincere, humble heart to show us those things that we need to change and then to give us, give us the, the, the courage and the strength, for you're our strengthener and 
you're a standby and and I know that you're praying for us when we sincerely reach out to you for help and say, Holy Spirit, pray for me. I need it. Because <laughs> I know that you're in me. Because I'm born again. And it's, the Bible says that you came to live inside of me, to be my helper. And I'm asking you for help and for strength to overcome those bad habits and those things that I need to overcome. And so, Father, we just thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit, that, that Jesus died on the cross for us, Lord. And then when we ask you to come into our heart and do it sincerely with our mouth, that and our heart that you come in to live inside of us with the Holy Spirit who is the Spirit of the Father and the Son both to help us in our journey on the earth God and we want to serve you we want to bless other people we want to go forward and do that <clears throat> which you appointed us to do from the foundations of the world and I thank you, Father, for every person in here who needs healing in their body. Lord God, that you touch them this morning. If they need new body parts, Lord, we have, I've been decreeing and declaring that the angels of God would bring new body parts from the storehouse of heaven. And we believe that by faith. That's entirely possible. I thank you, Father. We bind every spirit of discouragement in this place. Every spirit that would try to make us go back and give up. Oh, Father, I thank you that, that your precious Holy Spirit that lives in us is going to just encourage and put joy and life and peace and all the fruit of the Spirit inside of every person within the sound of my voice, Lord. And that you touch their lives and you're, you're gonna, they're going to know that you've touched them. Thank you, Father, for cutting away any hardness of heart that came from even procrastination or for hurts from the past, God. I know you said in Jeremiah that we can ask to have circumcise our heart, cut away the fleshly parts or the things that have stayed in our heart that have been hurts and wounds inside of us, Lord, that we may live a more joyful and happy life and a life of peace and not strife and judging others, but just to judge ourselves. God, we just humble ourselves.
and say that we cannot do any of these things without you, but we know that according to your word, you gave us everything we need, everything we need to live a joyful life. And as long as we believe in you and receive it, I'm going to say this again. When I had breast cancer in 2012, 2013, rather, and you said to me, I had surgery after I had the surgery and had it taken out and did not take chemo or any of those things, God, you said to me, receive my grace. The grace and all that I did on the cross. Receive all the grace of the promises I gave you because I died on the cross and give me permission to heal you. Because Lord, I discovered that those that don't receive you or don't want you, that you don't force them. You don't force healing on them. You don't force anything on us. <laughs> but the devil does force things. Because you gave us a free will, it says in the word of God. You gave us a free will. And God, you said as many as received you, that they become the sons and daughters of God. And we receive, we receive you as our Lord and Savior and Master. We receive you as our healer. We receive you as our provider. Because that you said that those things you died for on the cross, for our salvation, for you died to get the curse of poverty off of us and the curse of sickness and disease. And God, we receive those things by faith and your promises, Lord. And I thank you, Father, that you're opening up the eyes of our understanding to all that, that this word of God really means, Lord, with revelation knowledge and not just with head knowledge so that we truly might live the kind of life on this earth that you provided for us in spite of what's going off to the side. As you said in Psalm 91, a thousand will fall at our, our side and 10,000 at our right hand, but it won't come near us. For you would give your angels charge over us to keep us in all of our ways and that they would bear us up in their hands, lest we even dash our foot against a stone. And then you said that you would, with long life will I satisfy you. In that same psalm, with long life, and not a life of hurt and pain and destruction and, and, and lack, but life, life, life. not darkness and death, but a, a life, a spirit, long life would you satisfy us and show us your salvation. And Lord, even your word salvation, it means safety and healing and deliverance, and prosperity, and preserve, preservation, and it means a sound mind. So we praise you, God. We thank you. 
We thank you. You've done it all for us, God. And I'm, I'm asking you to open up the eyes of our understanding, as I said before, as never before, God, to what this entails, Lord. But to live a life of joy and happiness, because that's what you intended for us. You gave us love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. You, you put all those things in us, meekness, and we give you all the glory and the honor and praise in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, that angels are even in here touching the people and giving them strength. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay. You know what? Now you all need to smile, though. You're all sober. <laughs>